Hey up everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Yorkshire Gamers Elite Big War Games podcast. And after the madness of the last couple of shows, we're back to reasonable normality, or as normal as you're going to get on this show. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking very shortly to Jason Weiser. Uh, Jason is the editor of a new war games magazine based in the USA called Military Miniature. But before we do that, um, it's time for our usual little bit of housekeeping at the start of the episode. And the first thing I want to say is uh, thank you very much to um, everyone who responded to the last two episodes. Uh, Those two episodes with uh, Sean Clark from uh, God's Own Scale and Alex Sutheran from Storm of Steel. And we had a bit of a fireside chat type episode uh, that ran over two um, two hour podcasts and uh, they've gone down very very well uh, not only uh, a numbers high but a lot of people um, contacted me uh, directly via email and uh, said how much they enjoyed those two shows uh, how much they enjoyed the banter and the laughs and the jokes between us uh, and I, I was really glad to hear that because I was hoping that that would come across to the listeners. The uh, we had an absolute laugh and a and a, and a ball doing those uh, two shows. So I'm glad that came through. Um, I hope to get um, a Christmas special done with those two guys. Um, Alex is up for it. I hope Sean is, and uh, hopefully we'll get that recorded soon. Last weekend was uh, Fiasco, the uh, Leeds War Games Club uh, annual show held at the Royal Armouries Museum in Leeds. And uh, yes, that's a show that's north of Nottingham, if uh, the regular War Games press could hear that. Um, so it was very well attended. It was uh, the club had deliberately not put as many display games on or had as many traders uh, just so it could be spread out a little bit more as we came out of covid um about 50 50 percent mask wearing um everyone that i spoke to felt very comfortable with how the show was run and um very positive um three thousand pounds uh, was raised for one of our local hospices uh sue rider uh so very proud of that great when we can uh, raise some money for some good causes as well as putting a great show on for the war gaming public um, I put a game of my 28mm Italian Wars on, uh, representing the Battle of Fornovo. I was hoping to have uh, five or six players on it, um, but unfortunately, just to circumstances outside our control, uh, we ended up with just two of us available on the day. Uh, me and uh, Steve, one of the uh, local, uh, sort of regular uh, Yorkshire Gamer players, and... Um, we spent all day, literally the two of us, speaking to people who were coming up, talking to us about the game, talking to us about Yorkshire Gamer, talking to us about the podcast and, and loads of other things. And it was lovely to have so many people come up and chat, talk about the games. You, those of you who know me and the stuff that I do, you'll know I'm a massive fan of the Italian Wars. So my um, ability to be out and talk about it to the general public were, was, was fantastic and uh, if I didn't get to speak to you, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, we only did three turns an entire in the entire day. And for me, big games at shows, I don't want my back to the audience or the, or the crowd is a big word, isn't it? I don't want my audience 
to the viewing public. I want to talk to people, talk about the game, enthuse them with my enthusiasm for big games so that they go big later on in their, what they're doing. So that would be fantastic. And I spoke to loads of people, like I say, and loads of people introduced themselves that I've been following on Twitter or Instagram for years and years and years. And suddenly, hi, I'm such and such from Twitter. It's like, oh my God, um, that's what you look like. <laughs> and of course, as I keep my face uh, generally out of uh, the stuff that I do, um, people got to see me for a first time, and uh, a, a few of them uh, recovering uh, as we speak, but uh, the, the rest of them seem to be okay. So that was a that was a really really nice day out. We've got to episode seventeen, and um, I don't really ask for much from uh, my uh, viewers and listeners and uh, readers, and I don't have a Patreon scheme. It's not for me, not. Uh, it's just not something I'm I want to do. Um, so I am going to ask for something from you today, uh, and it's free, so don't worry about it. Um, the Caesars Awards uh, are out, and nominations are uh, currently being taken for a number of prizes, and. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, and I'm sure you do, because we're on opposite, opposite episode 17, and the, the the numbers just keep going up, so um, I would love it if you would go on to um, www.caesarawards.com, uh, Little Wars TV uh, are doing it, and uh, nominate the Reap Big Yorkshire, sorry, the Reap Big War Games podcast. Um, in the Caesars Award, um, and I, if I get onto the voting, that would be absolutely superb. So, if you could, if you could spare thirty seconds, doesn't cost you out, um, and I think it would be a lovely thing with all the hard work that's gone into this uh, podcast uh, coming up to Christmas. So, um, that's enough of me chirping on about stuff, and uh, without further ado, let's do interview. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Yorkshire Gamers, really big war games podcast. And uh, for the last few episodes, uh, we've been on home territory in the United Kingdom. Um, but we're going to get on board the Yorkshire Airlines and go hey, up and away to the USA once again. And we're going over to meet today's guests. He's been a war gamer for 38 years with an interest spanning over many eras of history and beyond, with a preference for modern to the World War II period. He's a prolific writer for many war games publications over the years. And in fact, if you go onto his website and scroll, scroll down his list of published articles, you'll get repetitive strain injury in your finger before you get to the end of the list. <laughs> so, um, but my guest has decided to stop writing for other people and launch a new war games magazine. Uh, and that's called Military Miniature. Uh, and it's going to specialise uh, focusing on war gaming in the USA. So without further ado, I've got to say welcome to Yorkshire Gamer, Jason Weiser. Hello, Jason. Thank you for that wonderful um, uh, intro, including the repetitive straight injury. <laughs> well, I was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd uh, spoken to a guy from the from the magazine, and uh, sorry, it was Mark, was it? Um, yes, yes, yeah. Mark Laporto. Yeah, Mark sent me a few links because I always like to, you know, know a bit about who I'm going to speak to 
gives us lots more things to talk about. And um, he said, oh, this is the list of articles that Jason's done. I thought, oh, that's great. No worries. And I, I'm, keep, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. You know, the little bar at the side of your screen. That was really, yeah. really tiny, and it just kept going down and down and down forever. So uh, you've certainly done a bit of writing in the past, Jason. I have. I think I realized I got bit by the writing bug in junior high school, and it kind of just went from there. Uh, just to put it for your UK readers, that's about grade seven on. Right. To yeah. About grade eight. So have you have you ever done a podcast before, Jason? I've been on, interviewed for one other. It was for Battle Group. It was when I wrote my Royal, my Royal Dutch Army article for 1940 oh, for Battle Group. And I have to say, I was not the most well prepared guest. So please don't <laughs> judge me by that part. Well, well, we'll see how we get on because this this is um, what I would suggest is one of the the more relaxed podcasts out there. So right. uh, we, uh, we 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 have a sort of a tradition of four parts to the to the pro, to the program and the first part's going to be about you and uh, you are actually our first uh, were you born in the states jason yes um i was born in albany new york uh in 1974 and my father was a doctor in the u.s navy um oh, so okay. i bounced around a little bit uh, most <laughs> mostly my dad worked at bethesda yeah. And after that, we went to Rota in Spain for a little while, back to uh, Bethesda. Unfortunately, my parents' marriage broke up. You know, I sort of, you know, that was around the period I discovered wargaming. I was hmm. eight, nine, ten years old, and my grandfather bought me a copy of Tactics 2 from Avalon Hill, much to well, his horror well, and regret. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll save this bit for you for your your, your four minute challenge in a second. Um, right, you are you are our actual first US born guest. Although we've been over to the states before, um, we've spoken to UK expats. Um, so it will be interesting to see how some of the. Uh, more local cultural references go on towards the end of the uh, end of the show, uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get our way through it. So the first thing I like to do, Jason, just put my guests under a tiny little bit of pressure, um, and that is to get them to summarise their um, wargaming experience. Um, but I get them to do it in four minutes, um, and then we'll have a bit of chat about the interesting parts. Uh, after we've done that so uh, have you got a bit of prep done a bit of preparation are you ready little bit um little bit. let's see i've been a war gamer since i was eight years old yeah. uh started out with tactics too like i said my grandfather bought it to his everlasting regret afterwards um sort of started out in the board gaming side migrated to miniatures in junior high school and i never really looked back although my board gaming collection is getting pretty big <laughs> now i've been the writing side i broke into in my 20s i haven't written a set of rules yet though i'm working on it um and generally military miniatures sort of been a labor of love it was something i always wanted to do especially now with you know courier m1 being gone i just mm. said you know what we really need this here in the states okay well you, you've only taken a minute there that's a, a, a quick summary i i work as a federal contractor so i change ah. jobs a lot yeah so you've really got to have that elevator speech ah superb superb so what's um what's the 
the state of wargaming like you know in in the usa i, I mean I, you've got a different kind of vibe to over here but what's it like in the states at the moment it really depends on where you are yeah um when i lived in new york city we have more of a uk like experience with formal clubs you know uh robert's rules of order during the meetings and everybody's yeah. like so what's everybody playing and you know it's more of a uk experience yeah. Down here in Fairfax, Virginia, it's, hey, I'm running something at my house. Who wants to come? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very different and it's very informal, I would say. Yeah. I mean, we still have little game days and conventions. Obviously, I mean, Historicon, Cold Wars, Fallen being the big three mm. here on the East Coast. So we have that. But it's very that even that experience is very different from the British way because you guys do a lot of what's called demonstration games yeah. where it's clubs putting on games and people don't mm. play them where here it's a lot more participation games where it's you know club will put on a game and it's like hey everybody come on in and play you know yeah i mean that's that's i suppose that's sometimes that's the the only opportunity that people in more rural area of the states get to actually play a game is it at, the, at a convention with with other like-minded individuals oh yeah i will tell you that you know for a while chain of command was not big around here but i like chain of command by two yeah. fat lardies okay the only time i get to play this thing is when i run into lard america at a store con and yeah. they're like oh yes oh yes please <laughs> Because my, my experience from, I've, um, there's a guy called Stephen Miller um, who used to be in the US military in the UK who used to come to our local club and he's he's gone back to the States some years ago now. Um, but it seems to be that um, you might get lucky and you might get two or three people within even 100 miles of your house that are into gaming that will meet at, meet at a, a property. Does that seem to be another way of... It depends the on the area. It really yeah. does. Like in the more rural areas like Midwest, mm. parts of Texas, you know, yeah, you're going to have that. Around yeah. here, I could get six to eight people like that. Oh, brilliant. And and do you think, why, why do you think then that the that the club scene doesn't really, hasn't really taken off so much in the States as compared to the UK? It, it depends on the area and, and the type of people involved. Like... I mean, in the New York scene, we had two clubs. One was very formal. They mm. voted on you being a member. It was it was Michigas, um, yeah. to use a Yiddish term. <laughs> um, and the other one was very a little more informal. You know, as long as you weren't a jerk, you pretty much got in. I, I guess the way I would describe it as people here don't like the formality of clubs. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think we as Americans were a little bit more informal. We just, you know, we like our recreation, you know, just so, and we're not really willing to sit down and kind of go, okay, now we're going to draw up the bylaws and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We're not into that. Well, well, we, well, we had a war about that a couple of hundred years ago, didn't we? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of leave you, kind of leave you to it, kind of leave you to it. But in a, in a, I mean, I, I don't know how how many people live in New York. Five, six million, more than that, maybe. Um, yeah. What sort of what sort of size were those were those clubs? The when I left New York City, 
I had just resigned from Metropolitan Wargamers the year before for personal reasons. Yeah. And when I left, they had 30 to 40 members, if I recall correctly, maybe more. Yeah. They've grown since, you know, props to those guys, you know, a little bit of shout yeah. out for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's great news. It, it's uh it's a very different way of gaming over there. I and mean, you have um, mm -hmm. your large conventions that they're kind of residential, aren't they? You kind of go and stay there and, and game. Oh yeah. It's, it's a three, four day affair, you know, and I think that's an outgrowth of the role-playing side of the hobby yeah. where, you know, you had Gygax and, you know, running Gen Con and then there was origins that ran two or three days. You know, I mean, what can I say? We Americans, we love to, get ourselves into those hotels and you know <laughs> oh that's brilliant that's brilliant yeah and what about uh, what about your, your your home gaming situation at the moment then um are you do you have a room in the house or where do you get your gaming fix? well i and my wonderful wife we live in a 1200 square foot house yeah and we share it with well i i, I think share is a strong word i i, yeah. I think it's we use with permission Two cats and a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so space for gaming is kind of, I guess, a suggestion. You know, I, I run a birthday game every year, and that's kind of tricky in the living room. I have two fold-out tables. I put those yeah. together and, you know, put the terrain out. And then, mm. you know, everybody gets room where they can to, you know, <laughs> run this thing. Yeah. I had eight to ten people in, this, in a Stargrave game I ran this year. And I'll admit, people were kind of squeezed in like sausages. It was not pretty. <laughs> so where do you normally game then? Do you, do you have a club or a shop that you go to, or how does it work? Where there's shops in the area, Huzzah Hobbies being one of them. Yeah. Um, we've also, I, I also want to say Victory Comics, but I don't know if they cater as much to the miniature side anymore yeah. yeah there's a couple of shops in the area that do yeah that's because when i spoke to uh john lander who i think is in nebraska if i remember correctly um he he did all his gaming at a local shop and that seemed to be where the scene was and it it was kind of a replacement for the for a club in the uk but without the the rules and regulations that uh, you guys seem to not like <laughs> No, no, we, we don't. <laughs> I, I can honestly tell you, I, I think New York City with the gaming clubs the way they are is kind of an anomaly to the rest of the yeah. country. <laughs> so what's what's your what's your personal favorite type? You know, what's your, your period, your scales, your rules? What, what's, well, what are you into? When I got into wargaming, my grandfather had regaled me with way too many stories of what he had done during the war. Right. He was... He was what we call now a cav trooper. Um, yeah. He was in light tanks in in fourth armored, and uh, he had spent way too much time at the tip of the spear. I, I will just yeah. say that. Uh, yeah. Too many bad memories, as I learned mm. later. But he had told me way too many stories, yeah. and it influenced two things. One, I liked the game World War II, and two, I had planned on a career in the army. But, well, epilepsy put paid to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one on the list. You can't come in if you've got this. Yeah, uh, the, the story on that one is actually kind of funny, but I'll spare your <laughs> listeners. Um, in any event, um, so I really got into World War II, and mm. that was kind of my go-to period. It still is. You know, I 
I still buy a ton of stuff. I have tons of British, tons of Russians painting up Americans, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think I schedule games mostly so it forces me to paint figures. <laughs> no, that's a good that's a good plan, that is. That's a good plan. Because it, yeah. gives, you, it gives you a goal to aim towards, doesn't it? Yeah, it also gets me in a panic. And what, um, what uh, you mentioned Chain of Command earlier on uh, from yes. Two Fat Lardies, a very, very, very English set uh, rules. Yes. What, what, are the, what are the rules have you used over the years for, for World War II? I will admit I also use battle groups, so I'm really, okay. really, really endangering my American war game credentials here. <laughs> <laughs> I've also enjoyed Buck Surdu's uh, Look Sarge, No Chart. That was a really yeah. good game. Not as nuts about combat patrol, but that's because it's all completely card driven and I just can't right. get my head around no dice. What, how, yep. what is this? <laughs> you know, I also enjoyed, uh, gosh, over the years, Soldat, uh, Hell by Daylight. Yeah, Jim Webster is he, he he's got a real interesting artistry to the way he writes mm. rules that I, I, I like that. So, yeah, a lot of British rules writers. Yeah. But that's the thing I'm noticing in the hobby. We as Americans, you know, we write rules, but we don't, but there's, just, I don't know what it is about World War II. It's like when we write rules, we're writing more for the operational sphere. We yeah. don't write as much for the company and below. I've noticed that about us. Yeah, because Sam, Sam must have heard, he, he's obviously done the Rommel stuff. and Yeah, and he's done the Rommel. high level, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's high level, tie beard. He's doing, you know, each stand is a platoon for fistful of toes. You've got yeah. Frank Chadwick, command decision, same thing, yeah. you know, and it's like, I'm scratching my head going, where's the World War II skirmish rules from an American? And then Chadwick came out with Medigan's Fire, which was, eh, it was okay. It wasn't great. Yeah. It wasn't horrible. But, you know, it, it just, it didn't grab my attention, you know? Yeah. Well, we, we use, we very, very loosely based around uh, an American set called uh, Disposable Heroes. I know that one. Yes, yeah. I, I used to play that one a lot. That and Battleground. I used to play that as well. Yeah. But Battleground started a lot of arguments at my club in New York. Right. Okay. <laughs> it did. Some knockdown yeah. drag out ones, actually. Oh, and wow. Oh yeah. Uh, well, you know, New Yorkers were gaming volatile mix. That's all I'm yeah, going to okay, say. Okay. <laughs> then there was um, Disposable Heroes, which I liked, but at times it was a little loosey goosey. At times, um, you know, I like the guys that wrote it. I, I I've had some wonderful discussions with them in the past. It just it was a little too loosey goosey at times for me. Yeah, we we've we what we tend to do here um, is we'll we'll have a set of rules as a basis and then mold them to what we like so we have card activation with disposable heroes um we have um like a monetary thing where you buy your reinforcements in spanish civil war that we use it for so it, it kind of sits underneath the games that we play as a as the, the basic mechanisms but we've changed them around a bit for for, for kind of what we enjoy for, for our our gaming experience um outside world war ii then what's what else have you got i've seen twilight 2000s quite um yes. prominent on your what on your website well that was my other big gaming influence because mm. when my parents' marriage broke up, like a lot yeah. of kids in the 80s, you know, I was a yeah. child of divorce. My mom 
set me to uh you know a neighbor's house teenager needed money oh i'll babysit yeah i was the babysitter <laughs> yeah and her brother her older brother was a war gamer so he had all wow. these old spi titles so yeah. i was like reading through them and going oh this is cool i want this yeah he had a copy of next war i was like oh you know <laughs> What they also had, because the entire family was sci-fi geeks, so somebody had a copy of Analog Magazine, and in it Mm. was a review of Twilight 2000. I read the review. I was like, I must have this game. So in 1985, I'm like, oh, there it is on the shelf. And it was my birthday. I was like, Mom, that's what I want. She's looking at the cover going, "Uh, Mom, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. You know, you're giving an 11 year old kid, you know, uh, a game full of rads, you know, societal collapse. (laughs) It's just, you know, but it made a huge impression on me because one, the game taught me how to write. I mean, it really did. You know that all the supplements, you know, game designers workshop taught me it was a great writing workshop for somebody like me. Mm. And the other thing it did was inspired me. I, I like I decided, you know. There's wonderful Sunday drive to the Rhine. Soviets cross into West Germany. All hell breaks loose scenarios. But I decided, you know, I want to do something different. And I reached back to that Twilight 2000 that I had so much fun with. And I said, you know, this is what I want to do. And it's such a great background for for miniatures. And I said, you know, this is what I'm going to do this blog on. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I, I certainly remember it being around uh, Twilight 2000. It, it was something that I never tried or gamed, but I do remember being very impressed with the production of it. The, 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 the illustrations that were in it were always really good and fantastic, and, and, and the background was great, um, and it was just a skirmish level game, which is not something I normally do. Um, and at the time, I was... Um, in doing a bit of military stuff so i was that guy in the trench waiting for the russians to come over the hill oh dear oh dear (laughs) it was like do i really want to game this on a weekend no probably not probably not (laughs) Uh, do you you step outside or sort of down history at all is it i do i do i'm actually working on russian civil war yeah and i and i also have a small collection of colonials i inherited from somebody else and i'm sort of doing my own imagination kind of nation because you know it's it's a mix it's got french foreign legion it's got brits it's got germans and it's just it's all (laughs) over the place i just said you know what i'm just gonna do whatever with this thing and i've got a copy of the soldier's companion from game designers workshop that i'm going to use as the rules and you know my best friend of one of my best friends of 30 plus years who's also a war gamer looked at me he says why aren't you doing sword in the flame like all the other respectable gamers i said when have you known me to be a respectable respectable, gamer chris (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great that's absolutely great you mentioned earlier on um and and i mentioned it in the introduction about writing articles um for for various publications and um i made a little bit joke about it at the start going yeah. on and on and on forever um but but that that's quite a prolific output so what you know we briefly mentioned the spur for it but how did you get started into that and what keeps driving you on to well, write these articles honestly um as i joke with um friends of mine 
I was a starving young man had just having graduated school in 2004 in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we were having something of a minor local recession. Yeah, it was right after 9-11 and I couldn't get arrested, let alone a job. And I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go write some articles and make some money. Yeah. And I, you know, submitted an article about role playing Batan, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, There's a good one. Right. And I said role playing the last days of Batan to Pyramid Magazine. They liked it enough to print it, you know. Here I am with a $20 check in my hands. Yeah. I'm looking at my grandfather because I was living with him at the time. Mm. And I and I said, oh, this is cool. Buy me a cup of coffee and maybe a donut. He said, no, 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 Jason, you don't understand. You're a professional writer now. Yeah. And I looked at him. I said, $20? But I took that and I ran with it. And I just said, okay, you know, get a job here, get a job there. You know, you know, that's kind of been the way it worked out. And then now... I write for a living in my day job where I'm a tech writer for a software development team. That's sort of all led into that because I was writing prolifically, whether I got paid or not, just because I needed the exposure. I knew that. And Mm. funny enough, some of those articles got me my first job in my career field. Oh, superb. And was the was it mostly for American magazines? I know you've had um, some stuff out over here. through. I did one for Miniature War Games. It was submitted towards the tail end of Henry Hyde's tenure. Yeah. And he he asked me to do it. He was like, Jason, got a great story <laughs> for Wargaming My Way. Please submit. I'm like, OK. Yeah. And then there was, you know, Society of 20th Century Wargamers. That is a fanzine I really miss, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I submitted a little scenario for them. It was a sort of, you know, airborne drop in, in Normandy scenario with, and they're, you know, attacking a small uh, German held town. And then there was, gosh, War Game Strategy and Soldier. I submitted a piece for um, Battle of, uh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. Kusrin, <laughs> Kusrin. Yeah, it starts with a K. Just, just, yep, just that, yep, that's okay. <laughs> it's basically it was the various attempts to relieve relieve this town and get the wounded out. Yeah, and this was based on one of those break in battles to yeah. get supplies in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I sort of read a had a quote in it from a Tony Letizier book, and it was it was great. It was great. It was yeah. awesome. So I've been sort of slowly developing a scenario slash you know writing pipeline that i could then feed into magazines feed into magazines this this magazine this first issue i i had to write a lot of it i'm not gonna lie and the reason is is because trouble finding writers yeah no exactly and and do you find when you are doing a piece um do you have to be interested in it or have you now developed a skill where you can write the piece and draw on other inspirations rather than your own I have to admit, I got to be interested, or at least I got to know something, because I, I try to do board gaming more towards the tail end of when I was doing the blog for SJR and yeah. before I moved over to the magazine, because they didn't want me doing any more miniatures articles, because they didn't want me giving away the, the store, as it were. Yeah. And what happened was I would write these articles. I'd sit there and go, OK, I did my research. OK, mm. I, I, I think I know enough here. And then I'd have somebody sniping me in left field going, you forgot this game. 
It was published by <laughs> SPI for 500 units in the 70s. And I'm like, I'm supposed to know this? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things that I talk to my guests about is something that I've called the Venn diagram of wargaming. Oh, dear. And, uh, uh, going back to your high school maths um and if you and it kind of the, the way that it fits together kind of defines how different people game um because i'm all into the bigger games and um you know lots and lots of figures on a table where some people prefer skirmish and stuff like that so if you if you divide yourself or think about yourself as a war gamer a painter a collector and a, and a historian are any of those more prevalent in you or how do they all fit together? Yeah, that that's a complicated question. I'm I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I love to I love to play. Yeah. Uh so I love to play as often as I can get. Yeah. I probably am very insecure about my painting. Right. I I I I, I paint. But then I get like, is this really that good? And then yeah. I'll look at Kevin Dallimore or yeah. my buddy Pierce Brand. So I'm probably holding myself to a really artificial standard. Yeah. Um, the historian in me, well, I have a degree in history. I have a BA. So it was kind of yeah. like, yeah, that was inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> the last one, a collector. Yeah, I, I, I'm lapsing into that because right. I'm collecting things I either wanted from my youth or I had in my youth lost. And I'm like, I want that back. <laughs> <laughs> So do you do you um, build your collections of figures, um, or do you sell, or do you sell as you go off a period? How how does that work with you with your collections of figures? I sell pretty much when I've realized, oh my god, I can't fit this into the house. Right, <laughs> there's a space issue involved. Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, if you've noticed behind you, my bookshelf is screaming, oh my yep. god, what have you done to us? Yeah, I think and, I've got a similar one behind me. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, one of those is a Walmart bookshelf. And if ah. you know anything about Walmart in this country, it's yeah. better, faster, cheaper, only it's yeah. really pick two. Well, certainly one of the shelves looks like it's under a, a little bit of strain at the top there. I think it might be Boeing uh, underneath. Yeah, I'm, I'm betting I'm going to wake up one morning and there's going to be books as far as the eye could see on the floor <laughs> well hopefully hopefully it'll stay one piece during the recording of this podcast so hopefully uh, if, if the listeners if you hear a massive crash don't don't worry i think jason will be safe uh but there might be a big pile of books behind <laughs> you might hear some crying however <laughs> <laughs> so what's your what's your current <clears throat> personal project then have you got anything on the go at the moment are you building an army or well, I am putting together, let's see, I've got some battle tech on my shelf because I also game sci-fi. I've got some, you know, various World War II vehicles, and I'm also slowly, and I, I really mean slowly, oh, yeah. putting together the stuff for 15 millimeter Russian Civil War. Which which manufacturers figures are you using for that? Peter Pig. I tried yeah. Curasan. I love the guy that runs Curasan, but his guys are a little too big. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, because Curiosan figures look really, really nice, but they're very hard to get hold of in the UK. Um, yeah. So I've 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 looked at them for a couple of projects, and um, at the in the end, I've just gone. I can't get hold of them. It's just too. It's just too difficult. How's how's um, uh, 
deliveries and postage to the states from the UK at the moment? Have you ordered recently? Uh, I will say it really is a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, some deliveries, like I had a recent order with Old Crow, yeah. came fast as you know lightning. I've had deliveries where it's it's stuck in customs. It's stuck yeah. here. It's stuck yeah. there, and and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, I feel for the folks who have ordered, you know, I've got a friend of mine who ordered an entire furniture set for his kitchen that he remodeled six yeah. months ago. Still hasn't gotten it. Right. Yeah. And as um, I think as, as postage costs gone up in the States. Um, yes. Uh, certainly. Everything's heard, gone up. So, <laughs> yeah, because I've seen a couple of people on, you know, on various forums and stuff saying that they're really struggling to get stuff and that the you know the, the cost of the of the delivery is now um prohibitive when it comes to you know when you compare it to 20 or 30 pounds or 50 dollars worth of figures you know you're paying an, an ex you know an extortion amount just to have them delivered to your door oh yeah i mean i'll give you another example i was going to simon soldiers in australia mm. and i was looking at some you know guys i wanted to you know I'm putting together some Jeeps for late war Americans. And I wanted some guys to put in the Jeeps. I love Simon's stuff. I've bought from him before. And I go, I click on the, the purchase link, you know, type in all my details. Mm. And then I go to the postage select. $7.95, you know, standard airmail, yeah. not available. Ooh. $30. International track untracked airmail, forty dollars if you want to track it. I was like, "What's forty dollars wow. Australian?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I fire up the currency converter. I'm like, <gasps> Ooh, "Frightening, frightening." Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully, it will come to a, a stage where the prices will start coming back down again and we'll be able to to get stuff because there's a lot of stuff from brigade games that i quite like for uh, world war one palestine and gallipoli and that sort of stuff and again we've not got a uk supply um supplier for brigade at the moment uh, and they're great great figures um oh, yeah. so yeah R russian russian civil war then where did your interest come for for that well that's kind of a long story but it starts <laughs> with i watched way too much dr shivago as a kid ah right okay <laughs> yeah i mean i lived in spain for three yeah. years uh mm. you know my father was po you know, posted at rota and mm. what happened was is the spanish they're a very fiercely nationalistic people yes they did not want armed forces television broadcasting in english over their airwaves mm. so the only television we got was spanish language so if you wanted to watch a movie, you wanted to watch TV, it was a brisk trade in videotaped shows. Yeah. It was like, oh, I've got Smokey and the Bandit Part 1. What have you got? <laughs> oh, I got Bad News Bears. Let's trade. Yeah. So somebody had a copy of Dr. Shivago, and I must have watched that thing 12 times. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, it's better than Bridge Over the River Kwai when that was the only movie we had, and I was literally as seven years old and i'm whistling the colonel bogey's march <laughs> over and over again and my poor mother is like screaming <laughs> yeah oh dear well i, I could see i could see where, where you, you got the bug from then uh, so that's a good yeah one. 
Well, we'll just draw a quick line under that section and um, we'll come back to you in a moment with our uh, regular big game chat. Well, the second part of the show, as you will all know, if, if you've got, if you're still listening at episode 17, um, you've, you've obviously not got bored yet, so you'll know that the second part of the show, um, we just like to talk with our guests uh, about big games, because that's kind of what we enjoy here. Uh, and different people have different perspectives on them, uh, so I always like to, you know, just spend a few minutes going through that with my guests. So um, if I said big game, big war game to you, Jason, what, what kind of images does that bring to your mind? I got two words for you. Duke Siegfried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where he's running a cast of thousands in the entry hall to uh, Historicon, the entry to the main room, Disselfink, and he's got yeah. like War of the Rings going, and he's got his microphone, and he's going, and now it's, you know, da-da-da uh, phase, go! And I'm just like watching this going, I'm in awe. I mean, I'm literally, I don't know if I want to get into this game. It looks yeah. really cool, but I have been in my share of big games. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in a game, I was in the, in 1992, I was in the Tuileries game mm. where, at Historicon, where it was, you know, the reenactment of the of the storming of the uh, Tuileries, in, Tuileries in, ah, in, you know, 1792, yeah. And I was one of the poor National Guardsmen that was first over the wall oh. and was probably <laughs> shot down by the Swiss Guard. <laughs> ah. So with the with the um, conventions being like we spoke in the first part, very, very different in the States, does that does that lead to less big games or more big games? Because obviously you, you kind of over here. You, you, you know, you, you're putting on a massive game with loads of really, really nicely painted figures and you you only really tr tr trust your mates to move them around. Whereas, you know, in the States, you're getting a lot of people coming in and gaming from all over the place and you don't really know them. I would say probably a little bit more diffused. There's mm. fewer big games, but the ones we see, holy cow. I mean... Yeah. I remember seeing, uh, I want to say it was a pirate. No, 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 it wasn't a pirate game. It was a fictional invasion of England in the 1790s that War Games yeah. Illustrated sponsored the last time Historicon was in Fredericksburg. Yeah. And oh my God, that thing was beautiful. And I remember that. I remember, you know, seeing some pirate games in the last con I was at up at Barrage in, in Havre de Grace really nice and you know yeah. these are much these are small ish games but they're not, but they're still pretty large by you know barrage standards i mean you have to understand big game for us is like 10 20 people whereas yeah. or more whereas yeah. big game for you i'm thinking is probably more like 30 40 <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends because there's lots of different ways of looking at what a big game means isn't there so um it could be the number of participants or it can be the number of figures so you know four thousand figures with six players or something along those lines so it, it, it can be different things to different people which is kind of why i'm interested in how the states view that kind of kind of game it, well, in a store i guess that you know, you can't go and walk into a store and get 24 foot table 
No, you can't. A <laughs> six by eight is pretty much what you're going to get in most places. I think there's two minds of that about it. Like, yeah, my buddy Chris, who I've mentioned before, mm. he always had a thing about big games. He didn't really like them. He was in that 1792 game with me. Yeah, him and his dad. But really, I, Chris never liked those. Me. Yeah. I go through spurts. Some days I feel like Cecil B. DeMille, and some days I want that intimate, you know, yeah. 10, 20-figure skirmish experience, you know? Yeah. And it really, it, it's mood for me. It's like, oh, yeah, I want the spectacle. And then there's, oh, yeah, I'm not sure I want to do, you know, crazy, you know. And I'll admit, as I get older, it's, 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 it's really hard for me to put a finger how I'm going to feel from day to day. So that's I think, uh, sorry. Yeah, go, sorry. Go, no, go on, Jason. You was you were saying. Uh, I think older war gamers, and not to cast aspersions, I think we get more set in our ways. Oh uh, yeah, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. So the um, you mentioned somebody at the, at the start there about that big game, Duke Sieg, Siegfried. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Just tell the. Uh, I don't recognize the name, so just tell the the UK listeners or the world listeners all about that guy. Duke Siegfried was well. I want to call him the P.T. Barnum of Wargaming. Okay, that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, he really was. He was an awesome guy. I never really had a lot of conversations with him. I think grand total of once. Yeah. It's like my Don Featherstone story. It's like I met him for five minutes. It yep. was really cool. I was in awe, barely could get out three words. And he just yep. was like patting me on the shoulder going, that's nice. But Duke Siegfried would put out these huge games where he needed an audio system to run the freaking game. Oh, that's brilliant. And, you know, it would be four, five, six tables, thousands of figures. And the one that sticks out in my mind is when he did the last battle of the War of the Ring. Yeah. And it was a cast of literal thousands on the table. And I think there was 20, 25 people at that table. Oh, that's and fantastic. I just remembered Duke. He's no longer with us, sadly. Yeah. Um, but he he would he was sit there just being a showman. Yeah. And it was incredible to watch as a 12, 13 year old kid going, holy cow. And that's um, that, that's um, something that I've kind of looked at a couple of times of, of those big characters for those big games that, that then spur people on and, and it obviously inspired yourself. It did. I mean, I wasn't really much into fantasy, but it's always been in the back of my head that I've always wanted to run a big sponsored game, 12 mm. people or more, you know, don't, don't have really cerebral kind of, you know, brain taxing rules to run this thing. Yeah. That was a lesson I got from Pierce. Thank you, Pierce. But yeah, you know, just keep it simple and, you know, but have a lot for everyone to do. Yeah. And I said, you know, now that we've got the magazine off the ground, I think in three, four years, we'd let, I'm certainly discussing the idea of, hey, let's run a big game. Let's sponsor this thing. Let's get this done. And, you know, is it something that's definitely going to happen? I don't know. But is it something we'd like to have happen? Oh, yeah. I think I think and I, I talk, I've talked in previous episodes about my attendance at my first war game show called Northern Military up in up in near Manchester in the UK. And I walked in and saw this massive table full of Napoleonic figures and how that 
influence my wargaming going forward. So it quite clearly lasts in people's memories, your memory of Duke Duke's game when you saw it and he, you know, he's egging everyone on through the through the microphone, which sounds fantastic. So it's certainly from an advertising point of view, it, it certainly sticks in people's mind, doesn't it? And it stays there for a long time. Oh, it does. It's I could still remember him being the the master showman and just eating eating it up just like you could tell he was eating up the adulation and i was like you go man <laughs> oh that's fantastic that is, that is brilliant um, so what yeah. what's in these big games that you in the big games that you've played then what's what's the, what's the joy for those bigger games what do you get from those that you don't get from a, a 10 figure skirmish game honestly it's like watching a movie it's there's yeah. just so much going on and you're just like Oh, look over there. Oh, look over there. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, what's that guy doing? You know, I there's that. And meanwhile, you're trying to concentrate on your own troops, but you know, not to not to share overshare, but ADHD Jason is going, who, who, who? That's sort of fun. Like another big game I played in was, you know, Marines landing on a Japanese held beach. And yeah. everybody played one figure or one tank. Right. I naturally played a flamethrower tank. I had just turned 16, and uh, I remember we, me and another tank, we just paired paired together. We got past the Japanese anti-tank defenses that just rolled right up under the airfield, which was the objective. So, just to finish this section off, and um, a lot of people, or oh, certainly in the UK, um, the the emphasis for the last few years, or for quite some time now, has been more towards a skirmish level game, and and most of the the rules that come out of skirmish level. Um, and we were in, in episode one, we were with my guests Chris and, and Gareth. We were we were trying to figure out, you know, the last big set of big game rules, which were black. We thought was probably Black Powder Hail Caesar, which is 10, 12 years ago now. So, is it similar in the states? Is it is is it the is, emphasis it more is. on it's, skirmish? Again, you have to understand. Right now, a lot of it, a lot of what people are playing, are what you guys are writing. And I, I'm gonna say that a lot of what's coming out now is skirmish rules. Yeah, a lot of it. Nordic Weasel is an American writer. He's he's an expat from Denmark. Yeah, I've, I've writing... I've, we follow each other on Twitter. I've I've had some. Yeah, okay, so you get it. it. Yeah. He's been writing some big battle rules, but a lot of what he's writing is you know smaller skirmish mm. stuff. I think it's a reaction to the fact we're getting older. We're mm. you know the youngest of gamers that were kids in the nineties and eighties and nineties. Mm. We're now in our forties. Yeah. And, you know, just don't have the time. It's like mm. I'm literally sitting there and I'm going, oh, wow, I could do Stargrave in four hours. I can yeah. do this new game I've got in the closet that I'm reviewing for the magazine Lunar. Yeah. I can do that in a few hours. It's that's the appeal. Mm. But do I miss that big game kind of, you know, spectacle of, yeah. you know, Cecil B. DeMille and, you know, all that and John Ford and. I know I'm quoting a lot of movie directors here, yeah. but that kind of holy crap feeling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do miss it. Uh, it's, 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 it's obviously the, 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 the slant of this podcast has always been in the direction of the big game. And, and I'm, I'm at that stage of my life now where I'm coming to the awards, the end of my working career. Um, I've got more time. The kids have left home. Um, so we're kind of slotting back into that. Ooh, what are we going to do this 
Saturday rather than, right, I need to run this kid to this um, sporting event. And the, so, you, you, you know, I know we're, we're back in the more time for gaming, which is perfect uh, for, for us, most definitely. Um, so do you, do you see the big game coming back over time or what do you think the future for I think, I think it's a case of maybe. And here's yeah. why I say maybe. A little thing kind of stuck out to me when I was writing for the magazine. We had an advertiser who does 54 millimeter stuff. Yeah. And at first I was a little like, Toy Soldiers? Uh, I don't know if we're quite in his Balowick. Yeah. And then Samantha said to me, because she handles all the advertising, yeah, but here's the thing, Jason. Yeah, a lot of war gamers are switching to 54 because, well, they can't see to even paint the 28s. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. So it's a question of, yes, I think a lot of gamers are going to want to do the big game, but the question is, will they be physically able to paint the figures? <laughs> Very true. Well, one of my one of my previous guests, the lad who lives in the States, did a 72-foot-long table um, of Market Garden with 54 mil figures. Oh, wow. So that was that was quite amazing. And then I was at um, one of our UK shows here, Partisan, a few weeks ago. And there was a guy who'd done um, ancient Macedonians and Persians in, I think they were 64 or 70 mil. He'd bought them in from Singapore. So, um, yeah, big scales are out there. And, and they're, they're coming to a table near you, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 I think, though, one of the more positive things that's happening in the hobby and, you know, you, you, you lead lovers can burn me at the stake now. Yeah. But I think plastic and resin are going to be more the standard going forward. Mm. I think we're going to be getting away from lead. And the reason I say that is, is this thing and things yeah. like it, because yeah. the precious metals market is getting to the point where we're competing with cell phones and I hate to say it, but we're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. Shall we, shall, shall we produce these? Um, 32 28 mil Napoleonic French figures, or shall we make these 10 iPhone 12 or whatever we're up to? I right, know. I right. I'm a, I'm a Samsung guy, so I don't I don't know much about Apple. Um, but yeah, no, I can certainly see where you're coming from with that. Uh, uh, and as as we go by, um, I'm I've seen now the first 3D figures, uh, 3D printed figures, uh, a big scale that I thought. Yeah, they're okay. Um, Calabrero miniatures, I don't know if you've heard of them. I've I've seen some of their stuff. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I've got a 3D printer that, will confess, I've yet to master, yeah. yet to have a successful print working yeah. on it. But, yeah. you know, I will say this. They're going to get better. Yeah. The, the march of technology will be such that at one point, probably in our lifetimes, yeah. you will be able to push a button and hey, there's your Napoleonic army in 12 hours. Just add paint. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's certainly coming. It's certainly coming, and it'll be interesting. And I don't think it will be that long either, because I remember I one of the guys who games here regularly, Andy, he's big into 3D printing. And he when he first had one three or four years ago, um, he'd bring it in and we'd go, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, well done, Andy. That looks brilliant, mate. But now he's bringing stuff, and it's like, ooh, ooh. That looks really, really good. So the tech is coming on so much quicker. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I mean, I'm buying files and I'm sending them to... A f I, I live a county over from where they have a really nice maker space. 
and I'm sending them and a friend of mine's picking them up. So I'm getting nice 3D printed terrain. I got some 3D printed 20 millimeter kangaroos for my British and, you know, it's like, yeah, awesome. I think 3D printing is really going to allow us to bring back figure lines that no longer exist. Yeah. it's going to allow us to bring back, you know, bring in terrain. You know, you want to print Pavlov's house? Go to it. Well, uh, hopefully that will be a positive thing for the bigger game. And we'll see uh, more I, I people with will. more figures going forward. Because it'll be easy, it's easier and cheaper, easier to carry, easier to post because they're not as heavy. There's so many advantages, isn't there? Right. So what we'll do there, ladies and gentlemen, we'll just uh, have another quick break. and We'll come back in a second with our... Um, very UK-based, very Yorkshire-based uh, quiz, uh, and we'll see how that translates to uh, the US in a second. Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, the part that I know all of the you, you love and care for, the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. And um, just the, the little warning that we give beforehand that this is not... Um, a definitive right or wrong it's just how much you agree with me as the Yorkshire gamer and of course everyone from the UK will know that everyone from Yorkshire is always right about everything so (laughs) 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 it's I I don't know whether have you got like an equivalent state in in the US where the, the the people who live there are absolutely convinced that everything that they do and say is right that would be every state in the union is convinced they're all a bunch of idiots (laughs) (laughs) no worries so so all the questions are um uh, either one of one of two answers or a yes yes or no so uh, Mm. we'll 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 have some fun as we go along Uh, so the first the first question which is kind of american based actually is you're going for a war game are you going to go big or go home I'm going to go big just because I am that kind of, you know, that kind of guy. Some would say sadomasochist. Some would say, you know, go, we Jason. Love, we love it. We love it. We love a, a big game here. So there's no arguments for that. Yeah. Contrast paints. Um, are they great or are they a gimmick? I find them hit or miss. I really do. And uh, let's. I don't, I'm not sure whether this one will work, but paintbrushes. Um, do you have Windsor and Newton paintbrushes in in the US? We do, we do. Oh, um, brilliant! They're a little expensive. Yeah, I I admit I think I use Army Painter more than I use Windsor and yep. Newton. Uh-huh. But you know, would I love to try some more Windsor and Newton? Yes, because I had yeah. one brush of I had a one ten o brush when I was in high school that was Windsor and Newton. That thing lasted me until I was done with college. And then finally, the breast, the bristles all fell out one day. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm matching up Windsor and Newton against a brand called Pro Art, um, which, which are made in Yorkshire. Um, so we would, we, so you probably haven't got Pro Art, Pro Art in the US. Have no, you? I've, I've never no. heard of it. I, I'll be no. honest. So I'm, I'm kind of guessing of the two, you'd go for Windsor and Newton then, because you don't know. More than likely, yes. <laughs> Now, this is a bit of a controversial question, this one, but um, we do like it on the show. Um, 96 figures, would you consider that an army or a unit of pike? I would probably consider that a unit of pike, but that would oh, really good. depend on the rules. Good lad, good lad. We, we, like, big <laughs> un- we like big units here. We like big units. <laughs> um, a six by four foot table, is that a big game or a small game? I'd say medium sized around here. I mean, I know I'm kind of 
being wishy-washy with that one, yeah. but <laughs> you know, you have to understand a small game for us is like three by three and a big game for us is like anything over eight feet because yeah. you have to remember I've got small arms here table. You and I, you know, <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to start needing like the croupiers you see in, the, yeah. in your war movies about the battle of Britain to try to move yeah. figures around. Uh, well, we've played a few games like that. So that has happened in the past. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um when you're choosing your games do you like uh points based or historical orders of battle i tend to like historical orders of battle yeah. but i will admit battle group has sort of slowly turned me to what i call the dark side so <laughs> yes i know pierce is gonna hate me for that yeah. but <laughs> it's okay really the points can't be you got to be able to play the game without the points if you want to yeah, that that's my awesome. goal. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you got to sit there and literally, you know, do an accounting exercise before every darn game you play, that's no, that's not fun. That's doing yeah. accounting. Yeah, oh, I like that. I've not, I've not thought of it that way before. I'm impressed yeah. with that, Jason. I'll write, I'll write that down and use that one. That was very good. That one. Um, <laughs> when you're painting, um, do you use a wet palette to mix your paints or an old bit of MDF? I will admit I use these lovely ah, palettes the right palettes. here. Yeah. Yes, I use artist palettes. I have a wet palette. I often forget that I have it. And it's it's an AK. And I've stopped using AK products for various reasons I won't go into here. Uh, I, think, I think I'm aware of, of the situation. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was like, uh, not to go get too personal again, I'm Jewish. I saw yeah. that. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it either. But uh, yeah, well, there we go. We'll, 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 we won't do any more advertising for them. Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so when you undercoat your figures, do you go with uh, a black undercoat or a white undercoat? Gray. Gray. I actually go gray. And the reason is, is because I used to do black, but it was so darn hard to do yellows whites yeah. reds for me and i was just like oh there's got to be a better way so yeah. i'm reading 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 and somebody says always undercoat your figures gray so i tried it <laughs> <laughs> so a, a revelation a revelation yeah. um I, um i think with this question um we, we, uh, you, I don't know even 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 know if you have Yorkshire tea over there um but you, would you choose would you choose tea or coffee for your drink that's one of my uh, caffeine's one of my epilepsy triggers, so I actually can't have either. Ah, right. Well, I'll give you a point for yeah. that. Yeah, you, you, you can't have either, so I'll let you off. When you when you look at a war games unit on a table, do you like the figures tightly packed together or socially distanced? Um, you know, I think it depends on the period for like Napoleonics and renaissance and all that i want them packed together yeah. by god i want big blocks of troops <laughs> whereas for world war ii if i see that i'm gonna start crying yeah i'm gonna be like no so pe period spe period specific oh uh, yeah yes no um then we're halfway through so uh question 11 um would you choose a two-hour club game or a weekend monster game you know i i think that would be the, the wife's decision more than mine. <laughs> I think it would have to be, and more than likely, she'd probably just say, go, have yeah. fun. Yeah. I have plans now. Yeah. Yeah. 
so uh, another one that I'm not sure well how well it will translate. Um, avocado, you'd be familiar with avocado. Uh, avocado, the fruit. Yes. Um, are you uh, are you are you familiar with mushy peas? Vaguely. Vaguely, because the question that I ask people is, avocados are they just posh mushy peas? You know, um, I'm not a big guacamole person, so yeah. my answer is, is I'm just going to say I really don't have what we call a dog in that fight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, mushy, mushy peas are very much, a, a, I won't say delicacy, they're a Yorkshire food. I'd like a subgroup all on their own. <laughs> well, so question 13, um, round dice, are they allowed or banned on a table? You know, I'm, I really... I'm really kind of iffy on that, and here's why. Because I don't mind rounded dice. Like, if the quarters rounded, are rounded, yeah. it's yeah, fine. Yeah, but yeah. if they're completely round like a like a ping-pong ball, oh, no. no. How do you brilliant. read the damn things? We're on episode 17 now, and every single person, no matter where they are in the world, it says, has said that round dice should be banned. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that the USA has voted uh ban as well well i'm sure i'm gonna get hate mail from somebody <laughs> well no the, the round dice one it seems to be universal the hatred of round dice seems to be universal yeah <laughs> so yeah you're not going to get this one at all so um the, the, the fish and chip shops that's something you don't have in the states is it al contraire oh we do oh. have fish and chips it's sort of more of a gourmet specialty item here Is because it? you know <laughs> yeah you know the millennials and the younger generation they want to do the whole bougie what they call the bougie ink british experience yeah. i just look at them and go it's not real unless you've wrapped <laughs> that shit in newspaper exactly. and you've got the vinegar on it and you're literally <laughs> sitting there trying to keep warm in you know 45 degree british weather I mean, I was in London in 89. I had the real experience. I know. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So if you had to choose between haddock or cod as a fish to eat. Mm. Cod, be- definitely cod. cod. Excellent, excellent. Um, when you are playing a set of rules, using a, war, a set of war games rules, do you like to have a good table in a set of rules, like a casualty table where you cross-reference dice with numbers or figures, something like that? Or do you prefer the modern six and your dead kind of rules? I'm more of a, um, you know, whatever it is, just lay it out clearly. Because yeah. I got to tell you, there are some rules, I won't mention any names, that it's just like, oh my God, did you proof this before you wrote this? <laughs> The, the the visual design is just so bad i'm sitting there I, my eyes are crossing trying to figure out what was the intent here yeah 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 no i know exactly what you're saying there um so we'll uh, move on to question 16 and uh, 28 millimeter is king yes or no when it comes to scales well um, I, I have to say no, because I am no. a 20 millimeter guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have bought some 28 millimeter. Yeah. Some of my friends, Murph, um, have yeah. constantly made fun of my love of 20 millimeter. Now he's kind of sort of having some sick glee over the fact that it's very hard for me to get figures because most of the 20 millimeter fac- manufacturers are overseas. And I'm just like, oh, no, postage. <laughs> Yeah, very true, very true. Um, but uh, so, unpainted miniatures are they allowed on the table? Yes or no? Oh hell no! 
Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Excellent. That's a great answer. Um, now, um, the football, it means something entirely different to you than me, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So, um, if I were to say Bradford City or Leeds United, you wouldn't know. I would know to save my keeper. So, my st- sorry. So let's go. Let, let's let's go. Let's go. I'm going to Americanize this question. Let's go. Dallas Cowboys or New England Patriots? Neither. I'm a Washington Redskins fan. <laughs> we think the Patriots are a bunch of cheating, and the oh, Dallas yeah. Cowboys are our biggest rivals. So we hate those guys with a passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like, I, I definitely picked the wrong teams there, didn't I? I yeah, it's okay. But yeah, no, I I was taught from about age eight to it's like we hate the Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot of yeah. Texas war gamers write me and say you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, th- I think uh, the Dallas Cowboys tend to be. Um, very famous abroad um, and followed by a lot of people. I mean, American football is quite big in the UK. We have games at Wembley every year. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's quite a big sport over here. Um, so if I were to say, and I'm, uh, listeners, I am going to say the word that I'm not allowed to say so that Jason understands. Um, if you had to choose between Yorkshire and Lancashire, which one would you choose? Well, having never been to either, I really yeah. can't make a fair decision on that one. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I guess I would choose Yorkshire because you're there and I'd at least want to beat you in the flesh. So, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I normally call it the other place over the hill. Uh, we don't mention that. We don't mention the L word very often. Um, so the final question, Jason. Um, Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? Yes or no? They are the work of Satan, sir. <laughs> oh, well, that's that, that's quite interesting. I, I, I've uh, I, you you were very sure of that. <laughs> I played exactly one game of Warhammer 40k. Yeah, in high school. Yeah, and I we spent two hours setting up the damn figures, and then the, the my opponent sits there and says, "Oh, play a warp story. You're all storm. All your army is dead." And I just looked at him and I said, what the hell did I waste two hours for? Yeah, the, the, this, uh, we were talking about this in the last episode about Games Workshop games, where you, I think they call it tabling is what they, they call it, um, where you, you kind of set up and it's I go, you go. So the first player goes and then the other person on the other side of the table has nothing left at the end of turn one. And it's like, well, that's not very exciting. So oh, it's like crazy. <laughs> anyway, the scores are in on from our supercomputer to work it out. And, and 72.5%. I gave you some half points along the way. And, and that's very, very reasonable. That's nicely within our statistical mean for the for, for Yorkshire gamer. Um so uh, it was interesting. We got feet, we we had to work a little bit around some of the more regional questions, but we got there in the end. So uh, thanks very much for that, Jason. Much appreciated. No problem. <laughs> so um we I mentioned that we brought in a, a new um, feature in the last episode, and this that was called uh, War Games Room One Hundred and One. Um, did you did you get the email about that, Jason? I did. What is your wargaming pet peeve that you wish to banish entirely? That's the and one. I I can't stand rules lawyers. They drive me oh, completely insane. 
It's like, please shut up already. I just want to play this game. Just please shut up. <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic one. I like that one. And um, is that is that from personal experience, Jason? Have you had problems uh, with yeah. people in the past? Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been at Medias Doricod where I'm in the game. I'm sitting there and he's arguing with the referee. It's going back and forth like a you know tennis match at Wimbledon. And yeah. I'm just going... Oh, for love of God, just ask about it later. Let's just yeah. go. <laughs> and was that in a competition game or just or a friendly No, game? it was just a normal everyday game. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> well, in the tradition of room one-on-one, I'm supposed to argue against um, and kind of uh, have a, but I can't argue against that because rules lawyers <laughs> do need to go straight in. And we, 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 you know, we game. I've game with the same guys for the last 25 years, and and we, it's just like right, roll the roll the dice. Six, you're right. Three, I'm right. That's the way forward. <laughs> is it? Is it? Something that you've come across come across often, or have you just been had the well, odd experience? I will say this about American gamers, and you know, before I say something, yes, you can write me hate mail, care of the magazine, everybody. <laughs> we tend to be a more legalistic lot. Like, right. if you read a British set of rules versus an American set of rules, British yeah. set of rules, it's written for your buddies at the pub. Everybody yeah. understands the, the context. Everybody understands, you know, where you're going with this. British yeah. rules are written with a sense of humor. Yeah. Then you get into American rules. American yeah. rules are written like a legal finding. Right. Every little loophole is addressed. Every little thing is. And I'm just like sitting there like, oh, dude, this this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can definitely I can definitely see that that going into room 101. So that's brilliant. So thanks very much for that, Jason. And we'll be back in a second. And we're going to talk about the new military miniature magazine. Well, that's sad that we've been through all our first three sections and, and, and now we're in section four. And this is the big topic. This is when we get to uh, speak to the guest um, about the reason that they're here. And uh, we mentioned it earlier on. Uh, and that's that, uh, that Jason is uh, brave. Should we use the word brave, Jason? <laughs> brave, <laughs> glutton for punishment, you <laughs> sucker. What were you thinking? You, you could use all those. <laughs> Is 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 in the is in the process. Well, the first the first edition is out of uh, yep, Military it, Miniature Magazine. It premiered last Friday. Yeah. Um. Good news, it's out. Bad news, if you want a copy with your subscription, you're going to have to unfortunately buy it separately because the yeah. way our system works is October sixteenth at midnight, it clicks over, and then you've got the January edition being your right. new your new your new your yeah. first issue. So. You know, just warning you guys, we warned you ahead of time, but yeah. we've really got to push it's, that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So just just before we start on the on the magazine itself that you've brought out and and, and mostly for for, for for the UK listeners um, and, and listeners in, in Australia and all the many other countries that unbelievably this podcast goes to um, what kind of the history of magazines in the in the US because uh, you mentioned at the very start the courier's gone um the midwestern wargamers association newsletter if yes I've got yes that right. M- we call it m1 we never yeah. refer to it by the full name because if we yeah. did we'd 
you know, half of our yeah. tongues would be tied, and, and Hal would be sitting there laughing his keister off. Yeah. Um, well, what happened with the Courier is they kind of formed an association with another magazine. They renamed themselves Historical Miniature Gaming, and then they kind of died. And then M1, well, Hal was pushing 70, and he just wanted to retire. I don't yeah. blame him. Hmm. You know, Hal was very prolific. I mean, you saw the size of an average M1. It was like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. you know, here he is churning out content, churning out content to do that for, gosh, what was it? 20, 25 years, I think, hmm. um, was a lot. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, part of me said, you know, nobody's doing this. Yeah. Nobody's, you know, covering this side of the hobby here anymore really yeah. i mean you have a bunch of blogs you have a bunch of free newsletters and that's great and yes you know the glossies sort of come over they'll say oh we were at historicon and it's like yes but there's so much more you're not addressing you're not covering you're not even mm. going to and you know not to knock the glossies but as an american gamer it's kind of depressing when you read you know about conventions you'll never go to <laughs> you know yeah and, and by the glosses, do you mean the like yep. War Games Illustrated, WSS, yep. Virtual War yep. Games, those guys? Yep. Yeah, because it's very, um, it's very UK centric. Those those magazines, and uh, although WSS is is obviously po published through the Netherlands and tends to have a little bit more of a, a, a European content in there, um, so. So from the American side of things, then you're not seeing the content in those magazines. Um, not really. Around. No. Yeah. I mean, the occasional American writers, occasional, you know, like they get like Bruce Weigel was a very prolific contributor mm. to War Games Illustrated for a while. I know Bruce. You know, he's a nice yeah. guy. He ran a lot. Of, he runs a lot of Franco Prussian and yeah. his tables are, are just something to see. They're awesome. Mm. Um, but, you know, there is this. I mean, I don't even want to say sense because mm. it's not even, you know, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, we're raising the pitchforks and, you know, uh, yeah. torches here about it. But there is a sense of, well, you know, the English glossies are covering what they're covering and that's mostly mm. the UK and we get it, you know, yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to take a train than it is to buy a plane ticket. Yeah. But, you know, we have a wargaming community here. It's not mm. small. It's not big, but it's not small. It deserves, in my mind, some coverage. And that was why I said to Samantha, when Samantha Reif, our managing editor, yeah. when she said, well, how do we break into the miniature wargaming market? I said, magazine. I, that was the first words out of my mouth. Because one of the things that was, I've, I've, I've had a, a preview copy, which was great. And thank you very much for that. Um, but and one of the things that were that kind of got me straight away was that the you've got reviews in there of a couple of American shows. Um, and that immediately puts you, bang, this is a, a US magazine. Uh, and is that kind of a, I mean, it's obviously a, a, to, to cover your target audience. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that is one of the things we want to do is like, we want to go to these shows. We want to say Huracan, hey, you know, Millennium Con, hey, you know, uh, Cold Wars. We want to be there. Why? Yeah. So somebody's writing about you other than a half a dozen blogs. You know, God, I hope somebody's reading, you know. No, that, that, that I can definitely see that. And do you, do you think that um, people will 
gravitate towards a magazine as opposed to those blogs um and things like the youtube there's there's a lot of competing media now isn't there oh yeah i i won't lie there is in fact when we tried to book me on various podcasts some Mm. of them said oh heck no you're competition i'll admit i i kind of said wrote back to mark in an email i said really we're competition (laughs) what yeah no, that's that's a, a, an interesting, an interesting view, an interesting view. So, how how long has this decision floating around in your mind? How long have you been thinking about this, and what's kind of pushed you over the edge? Is probably the wrong way to say it, but uh, to press me over the edge is, is a good, it's a good word. It's a good word. <laughs> um, well, it's been probably since I kind of noticed, you know, wow, there's like it's like radio silence from our side of the Atlantic. I just said, you know, somebody has got to do something. Mm. And you say that enough times to yourself. And then you say, well, crap, I'm the somebody I better do something, but I was never really financial. And I'm going to say it financially in a position to do so. Well, Samantha, you know, she, I'm going to be Frank. She brings the financial resources to do this. Yeah. And I said, look, I'll, I'll run the darn thing if you can help us get the the money side done. And she Hmm. said, yeah. And she's doing the advertising side. She's doing the, you know, that sort of thing. And she's great. I mean, she's gotten us advertisers, you know, and we could always use more. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. You know, it's just that sense of we're trying to, you know, we're a real magazine. We're going out there. We're reaching out to people. You know, we're doing everything. You know, Osprey's sending me books for free to review. And I'm like going, oh, wow. Okay, we're quarterly. I should have probably told them this because now they've sent me eight books to read. And I, I'm going to be like, here, you want to do a review? Here, you want to do a review? <laughs> so and, and so how, how, how long is it since those magazines that we spoke about earlier? How long have they been out of print? I want to say almost 20 years. Yeah, that long. Wow. Yeah, I think it's been that wow. long. Well, well, there's certainly there there is definitely a need for an American magazine, then, isn't there? It's uh, yeah. I I thought we were going to be you were going to say maybe two or three years, but that's no. a long. That's a long, long time. That's a long, long time. So from from those from those initial meetings, then how long has it kind of taken you to go right? Here's button say we're going to do it. To here's button magazine one is is out to the world i think it took us about a month to decide we were going to do it yeah and the planning stage took about three months Mm. and then from about august on i was working full-time ish and when i say full-time ish it was pretty much my spare time when i wasn't at work was working on this thing yeah and that was that was the tough part in the sense you know it's like I've run a couple of newsletters, you know, Mm. whole different animal from running an actual magazine. You know, you're sitting there, you're worried about contracts. You're worried about, you know, can we use this picture? Can we not use this picture? Oh my God. You know, right situations, you know, you're dealing with writers who may or may not want their stuff edited, you know, and you have to kind of sit them down and gently remind them when you handed them the, the writing guidelines. Hey, no, it says in big block letters this will be edited, you know? I mean, it's all the things, you know, you you expected, but then there's more you didn't. And as Mm. a friend of mine put it, he said, Jason, I said, yes, Murph. He said, Mm. 
you turn it into J. Jonah Jameson, and I kind of like it. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, great. Now all I need is a cigar and to be screaming, somebody get me pictures of Spider-Man and find out what period he's playing, by God. <laughs> Yeah, that's a per- perfect Im- perfect image of the editor. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, what's your what would you say your vision for the magazine was then? What's, what's my what's... vision is we hit print. My vision yeah. is is that we're you know we get the same level of distribution that um, you know uh, the glossies have that we're in Barnes and Noble that we're in you know other bookstores that we hit Hobby Lobby Michaels just. Anywhere you could think of of buying a wargaming magazine and mm. some of the places you might not think of, we're there. Yeah. And um, you, you think you mentioned earlier on you're on a quarterly release schedule at the moment? For now. For, for now. now. We, we, we did this as a decision, conscious decision, because we're like, look, we're going to screw things up. We know yeah. this. Mm. And we want to get the kinks out now yeah. so that we, you know, we're getting somewhere better when we switch to that bi-monthly, which, you know, is pretty much locked in for about the time of Historicon. Now, I'm going to say this is a small appeal to your readers. Yeah. We're also hoping to go to print at about that time. Oh. But that's going to depend on sales, guys. So, yeah. please, if you're out there and you thought about buying the magazine, please buy the magazine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be to the benefit of all us gamers isn't it at the end of the day because it's going to have like you say when when you when you personally look in one of our magazines and i'll put i'll phrase it that way you're not going to see the review of historicon you're not going to see the review of the dallas war game show or whatever it is you it's just not going to be there but in your magazine that's where that's where it's going to be and you're going to get more sort of local focus Oh, yeah. And, you know, I will admit there was sort of a pleasant level of surprise when we covered Barrage because I sat there and I was asking, hey, guys, you know, I'm with Military Miniature Magazine. Oh, when are you guys coming out? Because uh, this was like late September and the magazine was slated to come out in October. And we didn't quite have a working website yet. The website yeah. went live literally during the con. So I was yeah. like, I was yeah. jumping around like a idiot, little idiot when we got it, when we got it working. We um, really, you know, it was really, you know, I'm sitting there being a one man, you know, kind of reporting machine going, okay, this, 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 take a bunch of pictures, this, 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 take a bunch mm. of pictures, you know, and just that kind of feeling of attending the con, but also trying to be an active observer. And that's, yeah. that's not the easiest thing in the world, mm. but you know, thank God I had a little experience doing that before. I, yeah. you know, I, I was a, a, a reporter for my student newspaper, so that really helped. Yeah. But, you know, it's a lot different when you're trying to be a war gamer, but yet also be a, a, a gaming journalist, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And, and that would be something that they're probably not used to if the, you know, it's 20 years since the other magazines ended. They, they'll, they won't be used to people wandering around with, um, you know, with a journalistic point of view, looking at the games to write stuff up, getting photographs, etc. It'll be, it'll be almost a new experience for for many of the people. Oh, it is, and you know, I'll. I, but it was greeted very well. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I took more pictures at Barrage that we ended up using. Apologies to all those that did not appear 
we're working on a way to get your photos up on the website. Uh, I'm talking with the powers that be, uh, mainly my managing editor, about doing a photo essay and getting that up on the website. Uh, Just ETA on that, I don't know is when, so bear with us. But um, the thing of it is, is that we, you know, as that was greeted very well for the most part. I mean, you hand out a business card, you hand out a subscription, uh, subscription flyer, and you say, mm. you know, we're so and so, and you know, we're representing mm. Military Miniature Magazine, and you know, you're going to be hopefully your game will be in the next, you know, the premiere yeah. issue, and da, 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 da. and you say that, and you just try to put the best foot forward because look, you know, this isn't just for you anymore. This is for the hobby as a whole. And as I said to some friends, I said, look. Hopefully this is the thing I leave behind when they put me in the ground, you mm. know? Yeah. And, you know, this is what I get remembered for. And I, I remember all the eulogies about Duncan McFarlane and mm. I never met him. He was an awesome, cool guy uh, from all accounts though. And he really was that, you know, kind of awesome uncle that introduced you to wargaming through the pages yeah. of miniature wargaming and wargaming illustrated. And I said, I want that early spirit in the pages of our magazine but i also i got influenced by magazines like pyramid challenge mm. uh gosh i'm trying to remember space gamer fantasy gamer i want those 80s independent gaming magazines although not all of them were quite so independent um <laughs> were you know game magazines for you know mm. various game companies but they became more independent as time went on mm. and i wanted that spirit as well in the pages of military miniature. I mean, I'll admit, we don't have as many photos as the British glossies. Yeah. You know, and our stuff probably isn't as well painted, but it is what it is. But what we're going for is we want to be the US News and World Report to their time in Newsweek. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Um, and are you going to be looking at purely historical for the magazine, or are you going to try and mix in nope. with? fantasy and sci-fi and we're going to take everything but games workshop and that was a conscious decision on my part yeah and the reason being is is one they have their own magazine yeah and two i'm a little nervous about taking anything for games workshop right now um yeah just the way they're kind of being towards content creators again this is this is not me picking a hill to die on this is me saying you're making me nervous games workshop I don't yeah. want to publish anything of yours because mm. I don't want to cease and desist letter in my mailbox. Yeah, I've seen I've seen quite a lot of. It's not something we do here, and um, we we always laugh and joke about. I once painted ten Space Marines uh, thirty five years ago, and I've not done any since. Um, so right. It, it's um, but I see on the internet and I see through social media and stuff that people are worried about some new terms and conditions that have come out from GW. So I can I can certainly see why that would be i'm going to i'm going to say a sensible policy because you you know you don't want to take on the giant that is gw just by accidentally putting a comment in the wrong place and a sentence doesn't sound right to their to their lawyer people so i can see where you're coming from that without any shadow of a doubt so um with those with those lawyer with those um magazines finishing 20 years ago now um you're not going to have those stock article writers are you lying around or or no. are you going to regenerate them in some sort of sci-fi 
<laughs> series method. Um, how how are you gonna how are you gonna get? Um, We're you know, just got... reaching out. We're just yeah. reaching out. I mean, it's it's you know the response. I will say from the people that are willing to write for us, the response has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like we've got Jim Webster sent us an article. No. I don't want to give too much away. So, you know, I'll just yeah. say Jim Webster said us an article. Yeah. Piers Brand is going to write some stuff for us. You know, really? I have some, you know, I have what I call, you know, you guys have the Nottingham crew. We have the yeah. Fairfax crew that's sort of forming. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of my local friends and, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll write. Oh, yeah, I want to write. I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I'm praying they can write because, you yeah. know, it, Fortunately, most of them have not disappointed me. Thank God. Yeah. I will say this. Um, it's it's been pretty awesome, but I want more writers. You know, yeah. we're starving for Napoleonics. We're starving yeah. for 19th century. We're starving for Renaissance. We're star we had a good medievals article, but want more. You know, yeah. I want I want us to be a very kind of cornucopia of stuff that any gamer can pick up and find something in there that appeals to them. Because I will tell you something. I don't like themed article. I get yeah. why they do it, but yeah. I don't like it because it can it can lead you, can't it, to to get a, a, a another magazine you're talking about. It can lead you to to get a magazine and and not really pay much attention to 60 percent of it. Um, so I, I know where that's coming, where you're coming from with that, and it would be great to see a a wide range of stuff in, in, in there. Are you thinking about, um, I, I see there were some reviews in the first edition. Are you thinking about regular columns? Um, that seems to be we're, featuring. Other- I'm, we're, I've tried to convince some people to do regular columns. There's been some yeah. reticence, I think, but <laughs> we'll see, you know, powers yeah. of Jason persuasion, notwithstanding, uh, yeah. uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, <laughs> um, I will just say, you know who you are. You will, yep. you will want to do the you column. Will. Yes, you will. <laughs> but we, um, shall I put some like um, backwards overdubbing on this bit here, so that when the people listen to it, that they will be hypnotized into doing the columns. Will that sound good? Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but seriously, um, no. It's it's. I'd love to have columns. One of the things I want to do is a letters to the editor column. That's mm. gravely missing in magazines these days. I want that kind of yeah. outreach to the editor. I want to know. People love the article. People hate the articles. People yeah. think you should do this. People think I should do that. I mean, and I'll I'll print the ones that aren't, you know, full of profanity and literally, you know, screaming yeah. at the moon, whatever, and, you know, suggesting that, you know, we should do animal sacrifice and, you know, yeah. lathered in mayonnaise, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so you won't you won't be many questions from Dallas then after earlier on. Uh, no, I'll <laughs> probably get a lot of authors to do anatomically impossible things from Dallas. <laughs> yeah, episode edition edition two of the magazine has got to be has got to be entitled "Big in Dallas." It would. Uh... <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yes, we're banned in the state of Texas. Oh God. <laughs> So um, the first edition's out, um, and um, I have to say, uh, and I'm not just saying, Yorkshire people always tell the truth. So I have to say, it, it looks really, really good, uh, and it's really well laid out, um, and it, a, a great read. So 
how proud are you of that first edition? Very. Yeah. Although I will admit, by the time we were done editing it, I was literally like, I, I can't look at this thing anymore. Yeah. I haven't looked at it since. I've been like, I, I'm on to the next issue. That's where my mind is. Yeah. Even though everybody else is like, oh, this is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I'm on to issue two, man. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it, I, know it's, I know it's different in terms of time, but I feel that with the podcasts. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do the interview as we're doing now, and, and then I'll come to the editing phase and I'll put it all together with the, with the bits of music that we drop in and the bits of, you know, the preamble and the post-show amble, uh, and then put the uh, theme tunes on the, the start and the end, and then press the button and it goes, and that's it. And I, I, I probably won't listen to it again for, you know, maybe two or three months um because it's so you've spent so much time with it haven't you you've, you've, you've invested so much time oh yeah i'm sitting there looking at it my wife gives it another pair of eyes because she's really good at editing probably better yeah. than, better than me I, you know i i'm just the guy that makes the decisions you know i have <laughs> two and a half editors working for me because she's like i'm only gonna look at this thing for certain periods and they're like, okay honey um but yeah there is a sense of you know after a while you're just bored of looking at it and and this mm. is not a knock on the writers this is not a knock on anybody who works on this kevin op who does our layout he's great he's awesome the people, yeah, you know, the Johnny layout, Shoemate. The layout was absolutely spot on. Yeah. Johnny Shoemate, who did illustrations for us. I'm trying to remember, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the lady from Wargames, who's a contractor for Wargame Strategy and Soldier, who did our maps. Thank you, yeah. ma'am. I'm sorry I can't remember your name right now. <laughs> Please forgive me. The whole team that put this thing together, you know, hmm. it's awesome. But by the time I'm literally done with this thing, I'm burnt out looking at that issue. I, I, I God, please, yeah. I am bur burnt out. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's literally like I, I know I'm probably going to hand it magazines that people print it out and say, "Hey, can you sign this?" I'm like, "Oh, really? Do you want me to sign this thing? <laughs> You're serious?" Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the what? I mean, you've mentioned that you, you're hoping to go into print with it. Um, is that is that purely numbers based or it's it's numbers it's 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 yeah. can we make this financially successful enough to justify the cost mm. and you know like everything else in the world right now printing costs are going up um our main headquarters is in gettysburg i work out of fairfax mm. and what and you know uh, samantha our managing editor she's talking to the printer she usually uses mm. and she said their schedule and their costs are going up because the local restaurants in Gettysburg are printing their menus five, six times a week to deal with the changing prices on their menus. Wow. Wow. So they're, they're like, Oh, nope, we got to raise prices. 10% Oh, set, send for a new set of menus. Yeah. That's not good news. Not good. News. Oh no, it's not. Uh, well, I, certainly I'm, I'm of that generation and I'm sure um, a, lo a lot of gamers are similar to me in that they like the, product in the hand well um, we would like to put it in your hand believe me when i say this we yeah. would love to put it in your hand the best we can do right now is for our single issue we did it where it's a single page layout yeah i mean it and you can print that out i mean that's the best we can do for you right now guys and i'm sorry but you know unless we can make it financially viable 
we can't go to print. And that's that's really just where we're at. Have you, have you had that discussion with, um, you know, people that you've talked about with the magazine? Uh, yes. And, 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 and it shows. Is there a, is there a, a want for a print, print edition? Oh, there is absolutely a want, a, a, a need, a, you know, a, a desire in places we shouldn't talk about. Um, yeah. um, there is that sense of people want this thing in print. And I totally sympathize. Look, I, I got really bad eyesight. If I start yeah. looking at a screen for a long period of time, my eyes start telling, sending me hate mail. And, right. um, you know, I love having magazines in print. I got a whole collection, you know, on my, yeah. on top of my bookshelf here. And I'm, I could so sympathize. I want to see this thing in print. I want to mm. leaf through it and go, yay, you know, but the problem ultimately is, it's got it's a numbers thing and it's yeah. got to come down to the numbers it's got to be financially viable it's got to make a certain amount of money hmm. or it's just we can't justify the cost sure yeah and that's a big that's a big decision and hopefully um people will come through and 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 it will come out in print because i i i you know i've got subscriptions to magazines um and I, i've tried a couple of times with with pdf and i i just don't read very well from computer screens uh, and like to have something in my hand and you know i'll i'll just you know slip a card in it while i go and make a cup of tea and come back and i'm in the right place where i come back to me laptop and it's turned itself off and i need to remember my password and or put my finger on something to get into it so, oh yeah uh, yeah it's such a bind whereas books are so much easier well here's the other problem also is that the magazine publishers themselves are realizing PDF is cheaper. Yeah. And what they're also saying to international subscribers who have subscribed to the paper version, I, I don't know which magazine said this. Hmm. I can't even confirm this story, but supposedly one of the magazine subscribers hmm. said, come November, we're not sending out paper copies anymore. Everybody's getting PDF. That's wow. it. Yeah. And it's because of printing and shipping costs. I totally understand that as a business decision. I, I totally understand that. Um, hopefully by the time we go next year, some sanity will have been returned yeah. to printing and shipping costs. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not good at predicting the future. Um, I, I've been wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> And how how is the distribution network in the states for magazines through hobby stores and I think you mentioned Barnes and Noble and people like that because um, I know in the, in in the UK that you have to kind of like pay a premium to get your magazines in the right part on the is it how does it um, work in the UK in the US being the editor in chief I don't know as much about that as I should um, yeah. I'll be honest. But it's really you got to reach out to the hobby shops. You got to reach out to the ga you know, game companies who want to distribute your magazine. You know, I'm sure we're going to have to take a meeting with Barnes and Noble at some point. You yeah. know, we're you know, it's a lot of legwork and it's a lot of, hey, you really want this thing. And yeah. here's why, you know, it's you know, I'll go through, you know, Samantha, she does most of the marketing and editing side. I mean, not the editing side, the most of the marketing and, you know, outreach side, you know, to, mm. to advertisers. And she does a great job with that. I'm, I mm. mean, she's gotten us the advertisers we got. And believe me, I'm very thankful 
Um, you know, they, they've been awesome to us and uh, we want to be awesome to them as well. Yeah. And I think what we, what, you know, what has to happen is, is we've got to build some trust with the community. And what I mean mm. by that is we've got to show them we're serious, we're yeah. real, and we're not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. And I think if we could show those three things, then the rest will come. Well, that, that, I mean, that's great. And I, and I have to say, uh, from, you know, from a personal point of view and from a, a Yorkshire honesty point of view, which is what I always come from, is that people, you know, it is worth having a look at. Go and get this first um, edition. And if you like it, then, like Jason says, it's going to be another um, publication out for the hobby, which people from outside the US can enjoy as well, because the articles aren't all about us gaming um so that i think it's going to be hopefully have you, have you got any international subscribers at the moment you got oh yes we do yeah. oh good um we were shocked how many folks from the uk actually subscribe wow, it was about great. uh third to 40% of our subscriber base already is uk based and like i said even though we're trying to be an american based magazine i don't really mind Brits writing for us, Brits sending yeah. us games to review, all of yeah. that, you know, please, you know, mm. we're not going to discriminate. We just want to present an American point of view so that Americans understand, hey, there's a hobby, one, two, that, you know, you're being paid attention to, and three, you know, that we we have something to say, and maybe yeah. that leads more into one, but you get my point, is that... Yeah. I just I want to end that radio silence that I talked about when it was the glossies ruling the roost. And yeah. again, I'm not knocking the glossies. I've had email communications with John Treadaway over at Miniature Wargames. He's mm. a really nice guy. And I, I you know, I like him. And, yeah. you know, hell, he, he does hammer slammers, which to me is like awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think the the main question then, having talked about the magazine for a while, is is how do people get a hold of it then what's where do they need to go what do they need to do to get copies of the magazine okay we go to militaryminiature.com yep uh, that's our website that's pretty much the point point of sale for right now now i will warn you guys we don't have paypal the the sale software we got yeah. did not allow for paypal with the subscription timing structure that we have it is uh, very complicated explanation i know <laughs> it's unfortunate i know we're yeah. working on it we're going to, i can't say when that's going to happen but we're working on it please yeah. be patient on that okay i promise you at yeah. some point we're gonna get paypal available availability and so but, what would be the what would be the method to payment now is it credit card that sort of thing credit card uh i think uh, visa mastercard discover i think amex don't quote me on that but you, the usual you know actually yeah you know, we do take amex so the usual big four that'll get you and we are a secure website we have through GoDaddy. you know yeah. we're 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 we're, pre we're pretty darn secure because somebody asked us about that i actually went to the website and said yo no we have the https we have the you know the little yeah. lock symbol in you know chrome mm. so yeah we are secure Brilliant. And um, what's the options at the moment? Is it um, do you buy one magazine at a time? Is it subscription? How long are the subscriptions? You could for? get a four issue subscription 
for twenty six twenty. That dollar um, US dollars. Yes, or you can get a single issue, and the single issue is six seventy five right now. Uh, so twenty six twenty for four issues. Did you say, Jason? Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Well, hopefully, lots of people will come along and uh, and subscribe. Some some more of the Yorkshire Gamer regulars will come along and subscribe. Um, is there anything else that we haven't covered, Jason, that you'd like to mention? Not that I can think of, other than, like I said, please support us. Please come yeah. out there. Please, you know, even if you buy a single issue, just take a look. You know, we're not, yeah. you know, again, I am not going to sit there and say, you know, hold the proverbial gun to your head and say, buy the magazine or the puppy gets it, borrowing from National Lampoon. I'm sure their lawyers are going to contact me any minute now. You know, there's that sense of, look, we're trying to do something that hopefully outlasts us. You know, I would love it if in 20 years I'm retiring and I'm handing it over to some darn kid, you know, and say, go forth and make this magazine into something better. Well, that's that's my goal. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's a great goal to have. Um, it's tradition on this show um, with me asking you questions for an hour and a half, two hours, that you get to ask me a question at the end. Um, did you think of one, Jason, or am I going to get off scot-free? My, my biggest question is, so what got you started on the whole big games thing? I mean, this is an awesome idea for a podcast, I must say. <laughs> um, it, I, I mentioned earlier on, um, it, I went into a, a war game show um, in the north of England called Northern Militaire. Um, it would have been in the mid-80s. Um, and I'd already started gaming at home on my own. I was an only child, and I'd graduated from the airfix figures onto the metal figures myself. Um, and um, I just saw this 32-foot game full of Napoleonic figures. And conversations I've had with other people, they've kind of gone, they saw that and went, oh, God, I can't do that and kind of went to the skirmish whereas i'm obviously wired completely differently and i went mum i want to do that (laughs) (laughs) and your mom probably had a small small aneurysm (laughs) um and i I kind of i suppose i was um i was lucky in that the guys that i grew up with when gaming grew up with um one of their dads used to do um training films for pharmaceutical companies like ICI and he used to make adverts and all sorts of stuff so he had his own cinema um, where he would preview these things to the guys that he was making them for and you could move the seats out and get a massive table in and that's how we used to game we would game you know Battle of Waterloo at 1 to 20 figures um, at you know 14-15 so that's where it came from and um that's where it stayed (laughs) (laughs) so thank you very much for that that, that, jason it's been lovely chatting with you best of luck with the magazine mate thank you uh, if you'd just like to say good night to everyone good night god bless everybody (laughs) (laughs) thanks very much jason um good night everyone at home Great chat there with Jason, and I wish him all the best with his venture with Military Miniature. And hopefully it will catch on in the States, and uh, we will have a uh, US-based uh, War Games magazine 
on a regular basis. Uh, as you heard in that interview, they're hoping to uh, go bi-monthly and also in print. Uh, I'm a big fan of printed magazines myself and uh, I've tried PDF with WSS um, and I'm thinking of changing back. I just prefer that hard copy uh, in my hands. But uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, good luck to Jason and the magazine. Just leads me on now to uh, introduce my guest for the next episode, episode 18. And uh, my guest is going to be Kurt Campbell um, of Analog Hobbies Paint Challenge fame uh, and the Analog Hobbies uh, blog. Um, this is something that I planned, um, an episode I planned when I first started way back in February last year and uh, decided to wait to speak to Kurt until it... Uh, coincided with hopefully the start of another analog hobbies paint challenge this year um so uh, that should be out uh, towards the end of november and uh, i look forward uh, to uh, having a chat then with kurt and talking about wargaming in his native canada uh, the analog hobbies paint challenge its history and uh, hopefully its future so until then see you